Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. But I want you to take your Bible, please, with me, and let's, let's look at some of these things that Pastor Eric has been challenging us on, and I'm glad to be here this morning speaking. Uh, I was in Little Elm last week and probably be in Garland maybe the following week. I don't know, but you know, you know my role here is that of church planter and overseer, and uh, God is blessing our ministry. He's, sh- he's showing us that he, that he is with us in what we're doing here, and I appreciate Pastor Eric's uh, ministry so much. And, I, and, and he wouldn't say this, but the reason God brought us the North Texas Energy Plan, the reason God brought it to us was because of him. The Lord blessed him in his ministry and his anointing here and brought these millions of dollars to funnel through this church into our community, starting with you, for those of you who qualify. And it's just a lovely, lovely thing. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's going to help in so many ways. It's going to put, it's going to put many of our pastoral staff and leaders in people's homes who wouldn't come to church otherwise. We're going to be able to go into people's homes and, and give them things. Huh? What do you mean, preacher? I thought you only t- took up money. No, no, no. We're here to give you money. Won't that be a switch? Amen. You come to church and give money, but we'll come to your house and give you something. John 10, 10. Take your Bible and turn there, please. We're going to read it. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal kill and destroy I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly I'm going to say it one more time the word it is not in the original text I don't care what translation translates it it is not in the original text and if you take it out leave it out like it should have been left out just here's what it says the thief comes not but except for to steal to kill and to destroy but I've come that they might have life and that they may have more abundantly come on somebody shout amen listen to me we're going to interpret it contextually Jesus said life and that's the word zoe you don't get more abundant than God's kind of life He already said that they would have life, Zoe, God's kind of life. That is abundant life. That is eternal life. And that they might have more abundantly. Well, the the thief doesn't only come to kill. He comes to steal and to destroy. That's not destroying your life. The killing is destroying the life. The stealing and the destroying is about your stuff. It's about your money. It's about your goods. It's about the blessings in the material world that God brought into your life. He wanted you to have. The devil comes to, if he can't take it from you, comes to vandalize it. And Jesus said, I've come that they might have more abundantly. Not, you see, his words are answering what the thief does. It's powerful. You get a hold of this. The reason we're preaching this to you, teaching this to you, is, or teaching you this is because you will not receive the benefits and blessings that God has provided simply because he provided them. How many of you know Jesus died on the cross to save all the world? Huh? How many of you also know there's still people going to hell? You will not receive them just because he provided them. You only receive them because you believe that he provided them. 
using your faith to get the promises. And faith just comes one way. It does not come a myriad of ways. I don't care how many. Well, if I could just see miracles, I believe. You would not. Israel saw miracle upon miracle upon miracle and didn't believe. The Red Sea opening, the sky on fire, the cloud by day. I mean, it's amazing the miracles they saw. Ten plagues on Egypt and none of them were hurt. Uh, culminating in the death of the first, but none of them were hurt. Walked out with a high hand. They just went next door to their Egyptian's house, knocked on the door, said, you know what, I really, well, I'm going to talk about that in a little while. And the Egyptians just handed them all their goods. Why would they do that? Except that God was on their side. I mean, they had seen enormous miracles and still every time trouble came, well, where's God now? I wish we'd have just died in Egypt. That, is, that does not create faith. All the miracles you've seen in your own life, they don't create faith. Hearing the word creates faith. It brings faith. Hearing and hearing the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why you've got to keep your mind washed with it. Keep your heart full of it. The spirit, your spirit feeds on one thing. Just like a baby feeds on one thing, your spirit feeds on one thing. It feeds on the meat of the Word of God or the milk of the Word of God. But it feeds on the Word. Always does. And it turns from milk to, it turns from milk to, to meat when you start getting it for yourself. See, really, pretty much what's happening today is, you know, this is milk. Pretty much, because I've already digested it. What God wants for all of us is to be able to get in that book and get a word from God for ourselves. He wants you to be able to get in that book and read it for yourself. We know all about the almighty dollar. You know, the A-L-L, mighty dollar. And people believe that, uh, you know, I mean, he who has the gold rules the world, you know. John D. Rockefeller said, I don't care who's king as long as I got the money. That's what he said. He didn't, he didn't care who was king. As long as I had to come to him to wage war, get the money. Are you hearing me? Because the world is set on the idea that money runs everything, the almighty dollar. The reason we named this, this series of messages the almighty dollar was for the play on words. The truth is, for your muddy money to work like it's supposed to, it has to come from the Almighty Himself. We want to teach you how to get away from the Almighty Dollar to the Almighty Dollar. Getting it God's way. There are lots of ways to get money, but there's really just one scriptural way. That's getting it God's way. And I don't know about you, and I want you to drop all your religious ideas right now. Just please, just don't be religious when I ask this question or when you answer this question. How many of you don't need any more money? All right, there we go. A church full of Christians who tell the truth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Of course. Could always use more money. I thought that when my kids got grown, my need for money would, you know, me and Miss Ann, we could just live on almost nothing, live on our good looks. What's funny about that? I thought you'd agree with that, Candace. And then my children, they went home, you know, they got jobs of their own, had their own houses, everything was going really great. Then they started bringing home grandbabies. I just thought kids were expensive. Grandbabies are real expensive. 
Because, you know, at least once in a while I could tell my kids no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? How many grandparents in the house? Yeah, ain't no telling them no. Ain't no telling them no. Whatever they want, they get. Okay. So we know all about the, mighty, the almighty dollar, but we need to learn about the almighty dollar. How to receive wealth God's way. First of all, I want to give you three ideas here today. God wants you to have supernatural supply. You ought to write that down someplace. God wants you to have supernatural supply. Secondly, there are troublemakers and hindrances sent by the devil. Troublemakers and hindrances sent by the devil concerning your money. And thirdly, whatever Christ gets, you get. Concerning the almighty dollar, whatever Christ gets, you get. God wants you to have supernatural supply. Let's talk about this. John chapter 2 and John 21. Two wonderful places to look at something I think is just amazing. John chapter 2, verse 1. I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but I do want to read a couple of verses here. John chapter 2, the gospel of John, chapter 2. And verse 1. The story of the miracle at Cana. At the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Verse 2. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. All right? And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto, saith unto uh, to him, to the Lord Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, I don't know what, what that sounds like to you, but in every translation I've ever read it in, it sounded like Jesus was saying, No, ma'am. No. I am not going to do that. Not time for that. Mine hour is not yet. No. I do not take orders from my mommy when I'm here on a mission from Almighty God, my Father. Okay, Mom, I know you're a great woman. I know you got great faith, but, you know, uh-uh. Jesus said, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour's not yet come. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, I know. It didn't say she went and hunted down the servants. It said, she said to them, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You could just almost see her. Jesus just said, no, 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 Mom, it's not time for that. No. Uh, it's not, what, do you, what do I have to do with you? You're not in my ministry. Basically. I can just see her looking at him and looking at the servants. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know why I think that? I don't think it was pride. But that's how faith looks to people who don't know what faith is. It looks like arrogance it looks like pride that's why your faithless friends talk to you like they do your religious friends especially say oh you just you just think God's a slot machine you think he's a celestial Santa Claus no I don't I think he's my father yes. well you don't think you deserve all that no I know I don't deserve all that but I sure think Jesus did and he let me in on what he got Amen. I didn't ask for it he just brought it to me I don't know about you but I got saved by grace through faith Amen. 
This is the very first miracle Jesus performed. There's a law in interpretation. Those of you who've had any theological training, you know that there's a law of, of hermeneutics. That is, the laws for interpretation. A law called the law of first mention. Generally, the law of first mention has something really important in it about the subject. I mean, almost always, you name a subject, go to where it's first mentioned. It's powerful, the things that are said about a subject when it's first mentioned, like the, the mention of blood. The, if you go to the law of first mention to blood, you'll find out why we talk about blood all the time, why the Bible is full of the blood, why the blood, the blood is all through the covenant, why Jesus had to shed his blood. You'll find out all about it in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The very first mention of the word blood in the Bible says why blood is necessary because when Adam lost his, his place with God in the garden, he lost his ability to talk to God. He lost his ability to talk to God. People say, oh, if I could just hear the voice of God. Listen, the, hearing the voice of God has never been the problem. On the day he sinned, he heard the voice of God. That was the problem, that he could still hear God's voice and didn't know how to respond. First thing out of his mouth was, I was afraid. You were af what? For afraid? This is not the language of God. So from that day until Jesus died and even now, we had to have blood with our prayers because Abel's blood cried out to God. It tells you something about blood and the necessity of it attached to how you speak to God because blood speaks the language God understands. You get that from the law of first mention. Here, here. His first miracle was a miracle. Now, when the guy drank of it, the ruler of the, of, of the, of the feast, he drank of the, of, the, of the wine, right? And he said, this is the best stuff yet. This is the best stuff yet. That's good stuff right there. Why are you just now bringing it out? Now, don't, don't go weird on me here, but... There were great big pots. The pots that they're talking about were pots like so and like so. And there were several of them. How many did you say there were? Six of them, and they filled them with water, and he turned it all into wine. I'm thinking, Lord, that's too much. That's too much for a bunch of Pentecostals who won't even hardly smell wine. That's way too much. It's about right for Baptists, but for the rest of us, it... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on. I, you know I'm kidding. Come on. Don't, don't be offended. <laughs> that's way... That's just too much. What are you doing making that much wine, Jesus? Don't you know? They've already... Drunk a bunch. I mean, they ran out before the party's over, but they've already filled. That, that, that governor said, we've already drank our fill, and now you bring out the good stuff. Jesus, what are you doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's proving to you that he does not have to have you in dire straits, in absolute destitution, before he'll do something supernatural. He's showing you that his miracle power is available for absolute prosperity and blessing.
first mention of miracles, Jesus worked. Let's go to the law of last mention things. Because your mama was good at this one. She left you at the house by yourself. No playing with matches. No getting into daddy's cigarettes. No, no slipping off to the neighbor's kids. Those kids are trouble. We said move away. So, I mean, mama, she goes over all of all the stuff and makes sure you get, to, get that cat. Uh, uh, keep that cat out of the house. She went on my carpet last week. She says stuff that's really important when she... John chapter 21, turn there quickly, quickly, quickly. We'll talk about the last, Jesus, last miracle Jesus performed. Verse 1. John chapter 21 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. Verse 2. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the disciples. Simon was there and said to them, I, I'm going fishing. And they said unto him, We also are going with you. So they went, with, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And, the, and, and that night they, they, caught, they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not, that did not know it was Jesus. Verse 5. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw for the multitude of fishes. Verse 6. Verse 7, rather. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus... Oh, look at verse 6. They were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. I want you to get that. Now look at verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said, Peter, it's the Lord. And Simon heard that it was the Lord. He, he put on his coat and jumped in the water. He is so, Im, you know, impulsive. He, he was dressed for swimming. Then he put his clothes on and jumped in the water. <laughs> and, and swam over to Jesus. Look at verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it was about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Look at verse 10. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Talked about how many fish there were later on in there. There were so many fish, and they were amazed that the net didn't break. I mean, that by itself was a miraculous thing. Jesus, yet again, did it too big. First miracle he performed, and the last miracle he performed. Still doing it too big, and by the way, not a necessary miracle. Just one of abundance and prosperity. He's an over-the-top kind of God. Can I get a good amen? The God you serve is an over-the-top kind of God. You say, yeah, well, I hadn't been experiencing that. It's because you believed a lie. You believe you're supposed to just barely get along. Oh, we don't want, I don't want to be rich. I want to be just, have just enough for me and mine. 
There's never been a more selfish prayer that a Christian could pray. Just want enough for me and mine. What are we going to do about the church? What are we going to do about people in need? What are we going to do about missions? And what are we going to do about things? Huh? What are we going to do if everybody just has enough for me and mine? What are we going to do? The church is, is, is called out of darkness to be a channel for the blessings of God like these blessings that Jesus started and ended his ministry with. He, he wants you to be focused on this. That his miracle power is there for your abundance. That you may have abundantly. Oh, this is good. It's better than you're shouting. I mean, you, I think you'll get it. I... Uh, Flew my little Cessna 172. Anybody here know anything about planes? Yeah, I flew my little Cessna 172 and into. Now I didn't fly it. I mean, I owned it, but I didn't fly. I have a friend, another preacher friend, who was a pilot. He didn't have a plane. I had a plane, so it worked out real good. Flew me everywhere. We land in in West Texas, you know, standing out there on the tarmac, and we landed our little mosquito beside this King Air jet. I got there thinking, one day, big boy, that's where we're going. And I knew, I knew one of the mechanics who came out there to help us tie down, and we're just going to be there for a little while. And he came out there, and he, uh, he, uh, he, was looking, he said, yeah, I see you admiring that King Air. I said, yeah, whose is that? And he told me. And I'll say Anderson, because that wasn't their name. But he said, he said, yeah, I said, Andersons. I said, they've been, they, they're about to go someplace? He said, he said, oh, no, they've already been. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, oh, well, Miss Anderson got up this morning, and she was, uh, <clears throat> she said to her husband, she said, honey, I, uh, you know, up there in Denver, that little burger shop that makes that hamburger that I love so much? He said, yeah. She said, I sure would like to have one of those for lunch. He picks up the phone and said, get my, get my airplane ready. I'm taking my wife to lunch. They had just gotten back from Denver from having a hamburger in Denver. Landed in West Texas, and he hadn't put the jet away yet. I stood there looking at that thing thinking, you know what? God bless them. I mean, good for them. But imagine what kind of things could have been done if that jet was in your hands. I know what, it, I know what things would be, be getting done if it was in Scott and Marcy Benson's hands. They're the kind of people, Marcy would wake up in the morning, she'd say, you remember those, those missionaries that had that orphanage down there on the border of Mexico? I was thinking about taking them tennis shoes today. What do you think? Yeah. take them tennis shoes and tell them all about Jesus and I'm telling you a kid who had no shoes and he gets a new pair of shoes he's listening to the gospel if you say it imagine what how God could use you more if money was not a problem to you imagine the things you could and would do if money was not a problem I challenged my students one time years ago I said, how many of you think that preachers preach too much about prosperity and a whole bunch of the hands went up? I said, well, okay. You think we preach too much about prosperity. I said, well, I, for those of you who have your hands up, you can put your hands down, but for the rest of you, I just wanted to tell you something. This Sunday, 
I'm going to give $1,000 for every, to every first-time visitor who visits our church. How many of you think you'll be there? Every hand went up. I said, man, I'm looking at a room full of hypocrites. It's okay for you to have the money, even be bought. Even be bought. But we get so religious about it, and that religiosity about money is keeping God's people from having all they're supposed to have. You're supposed to wake up in the morning craving a hamburger in Denver and be able to meet that need. That, that's what I believe. I believe that's what's in your future. I believe God has called you to start that business. God has called you to birth and raise that child. God has called you to do big things in this world. He has called you to dream the big dream. He has called you to do what you could not do in the natural. He's called you to be bigger than you ever dreamed you could be in the early days. But now these are new days, praise God. He wants to get things into your hands so that you can do things you did not know you could do. You didn't even know you had these talents. God's wanting to bring it into your hands. He's going to bring it into your hands if you'll put your heart wrapped around these things. Listen, second thing I want to say to you is there, there are troublemakers and hindrances sent by the devil. Don't forget that the devil did everything he could to hinder Jesus. Herod, the butcher of the babes of Bethlehem, Herod the Great, tried to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. Do you know he was dealt with? He was dealt with before Jesus was very old at all because the Bible later tells, tells us that, that, a, that an angel showed up to Joseph and said, <clears throat> you can go home now. Those who sought the young child are dead. Hmm? Your enemy is about to be dealt with. Your enemy is about to be dealt with. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Zechariah 2.8. I want that verse up. Zechariah 2.8. Is this good for you yet? Is it helping you? Zechariah 2.8. I've got about five minutes. Do I have five minutes? Come on, who will give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Hold them up. Okay. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath... What? After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you touches the apple of my eye. You ever anybody touch the pupil? That's what that's talking about. It's not talking about, oh, isn't that a pretty apple? No, it's talking about the pupil of your eye. You ever anybody touch the pupil? How many of you wear contact lenses? Remember the first day you put them in? Yikes. Huh? Felt like somebody had a baseball bat trying to screw that thing in, you know. Horrible. I mean, I can't stand for any, I can't stand to touch my own eyeball. But here it says, whoever touches you touches the apple of God, the pupil of God's eye. Think about this. Ex 
His eye is on it. How many of you were here for that series? His eye is on it and his heart is in it. And when they touch you and hinder you and try to stop you from being a prosperous Christian, then it's like touching, poking the finger in God's eye. Are you listening to me? You don't have to take it laying down. You stand up, you tell the devil, you keep messing with me. You're going to get yours. You're going to burn in hell forever. And I'm going to rejoice over you forever. I'm going to call Jesus Lord forever. You keep poking me in the eye like that. God's going to take that seriously. God's going to get offended at you. There are troublemakers out there. People, all kinds of people out there causing you trouble. Oh, they don't, they don't want you to succeed. Now, that, they need to be saved. Don't misunderstand. You don't have to go after people and start hating people. That's not our business. No, 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 no. We love people. But just don't ever forget that people who are mean to you and hurtful to you and try to hinder you in some way, the only reason they're doing it is because they're energized by the thief who comes for one reason, to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? But Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And thirdly, I want to tell you that whatever Christ gets, you get. Whatever Jesus gets, you get. Real quick, Exodus chapter 12, speaking of, Exodus chapter 12 and verses 35 and 36. Put them up real quick, fellas. Exodus 12, 35 and 36, talking about when Israel spoiled the Egyptians. When Israel spoiled the Egyptians. It's an interesting word here, and it has such enormous meaning it says, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed, okay, they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. Look at verse 36. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now, you know what happened that night. Israel packed up and left. Now, if you read it just in the King James and in a cursory reading, it sounds like they went over and said, Hey, uh, <clears throat> could I uh, borrow your uh, jewelry? I just want to borrow it. And they got all this jewelry and went, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to steal it. I mean, if you say that you borrowed it and it says that the Egyptians lent it to them, loaned it to them, well, these people just robbed the Egyptians. If that's how it happened, borrowing and lending, that's not how it happened. I looked this word up, and it's sha'al. I want you to make a friend of the word. It's a Hebrew word, and it's spelled S-H-A apostrophe A-L, sha'al. Let's say it together. Sha'al. Praise God. Sha'al. It means to ask. It can be rendered borrow, but that is a really strained kind of rendition of that word. It means simply to inquire, to ask. It can even mean to beg, but it means to inquire or to ask. Let me just read all the definitions. To ask, inquire, borrow, beg, to ask as a favor, to inquire of, to consult, to seek, to be given on request. Oh, wait a minute. To be given on request, to grant to make over to or to let one ask successfully to give or lend on request then grant or make listen 
the same action. It says when it, when it says that the Egyptians gave them, lent them, there's the word. When the Egyptians lent them, that word, guess what that word is? Sha'al. So the receiving of it is the same word as the asking for it. Oh, what does that mean to you? That means when you ask in faith, it's as good as having it. They shawled the Egyptians for the gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and jewels. And the Egyptians shawled it to them. Good gravy. Stand up on your feet. Today, today, because whatever Jesus gets is ours, I wanted to, I wanted to share a bunch of scriptures with you, but I just, I just had to give you that one. See, the fact is, Whatever Jesus has is yours. It says in Romans chapter 4 that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Galatians chapter 3, that Christ is a seed and you are too. Amen. And whatever spoiling of the devil, it's time. It's time. Listen to me. It's time that God's people learn how to spoil the devil rather than always having him be the thief and steal from us. Started out talking about the devil stealing from us. And we end with us taking from the devil. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.